Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wicks Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. All right, we are in the book of Mark today. If you want to turn there or flip your apps open to Mark chapter 2. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Hopefully uh, you caught the devotions this week. Ash Wednesday started this week. Um, and I don't know if, if anybody has decided to participate in, in Lent. You, you're giving something up. You're adding something to it. Uh, this year I'm, I'm kind of adding to um, my, ske- my, my schedule. No, I'm not. Um, Actually, I'm not, because what I'm actually doing this year, and, and uh, another pastor kind of challenged several of us pastors on this, is making sure that we take a good Sabbath. This is a whole other sermon I need to give you guys on, on, on the importance of Sabbath, but and especially us pastors right now, from the year we've had this past year, several of us have kind of let that slide a little bit, you know, because guess what? I work on Sunday. This is this is your Sabbath, but I work on Sunday, so this isn't exactly my Sabbath, you know. And before COVID hit, I was pretty regular about that, of, of making sure I took one day a week. And, and RDS, he really stresses that for us to take that one day a week, uh, and and it's not just a day off. That that's where we we forget sometimes. It's not just a day off. It's a day of refreshing. It's a day of replenishing, you know, um, just like you're here to soak up the word. I need that day too. And so that's, that's part of my Lent journey this year is making sure Sabbath is ingrained in there each and every week again. Um, but maybe you've decided to give up sugar or chocolate or I don't know, like a Dorothy, no way. Not, not when we just had a snowstorm and we needed hot cocoa and you know, whatever. And here's the other thing. So the snowstorm kind of messed us up. So you say, well, I didn't do anything. and uh, Then start tomorrow. Then start tomorrow. You can, you can always pick it up tomorrow. Um, that's sort of the point of what we're talking about today is how sometimes we get too rigid with how we do things and how we forget why we do the things we do. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So it's no secret that... The Nazarene church is a holiness church, and so we, we have practices and, and traditions of sacrifices that we have ingrained in us. And, and it's not a bad thing, you know. The heart of those rules, those policies, however you want to look at them, they, they really start it with an immense amount of love. But sometimes 
that goes sideways. Kind of like me sledding the other day, Brittany. Brittany. Brittany did a perfect sled down our hill, perfect to the bottom, and BJ got on there, and BJ went wide to the right. <laughs> Come back up the hill, BJ went wide to the left. <laughs> and she was like, Mom, and I said, before communion, after communion. I don't know what this is, child. I was like, I can't stay on this course, you know. So we have these things in even our tradition that start it with the right reason and somewhere veered off. Let's, let's talk about no dancing. Who in here is old enough to remember Nazarenes don't dance? Yeah? See, I'm not. And, and, and we can dance, people, as long as it's appropriate, just so you know. But you have to understand how this became a thing with our church. You see, back in the beginning of the Nazarene church, the reason the no dancing rule was instituted was because of where the dance took place. Did you know that? Because usually it was one of two places. One place might be a a wealthy person would throw some sort of dance, some gathering, right? And we felt like that at that time period, it it was kind of inappropriate because we were ministering to the poor. We, We felt like funds should be used in other places besides just our own entertainment and gratification. The other area, the other place you could go to dance was a brothel. Did we see the problem with this? Yes. So do you see, it really wasn't the dancing that was the issue. It was where you were going to do the dancing. Another, another thing in the Nazarene church is the, the no drinking. We, we, don't, we don't support drinking alcohol or doing tobacco wine. Because it sends you to hell? Nope. That wasn't the heart of it. The heart of it was that Phineas Brissi would walk out into the streets in California and see the homeless that were trapped in their addictions and how it was killing them and how it was tearing their lives apart. And he said, we got to show them a different way. We We need to live a life before them that shows them the hope of what Jesus Christ can give them that these addictions can't give. It was the love. It was the love. And so, you know, over time, sometimes uh, these rules, the love part is forgotten. And when you forget the love, it just becomes legalistic. And you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I consider myself young in the Nazarene church because I've only been in, in the Nazarene church for 20 just over 20 plus years. Um, and we're 112 years old, Nazarene church, this church 110. But I know enough of our history to know that even the Nazarene church has went through its legalistic stages, right? Where you had to dress the right way, you had to do this, you had to do that. And it wasn't that these things were bad in themselves, it was just the love got lost. And when you lose the love, you get legalism. You see, sin has a way of twisting even good things into damaging things. It's kind of like you, you can eat one Twinkie, and that's not a big deal, is it? But you eat 30 Twinkies, that becomes a big deal. You become the Twinkie, Right? So sin has a way of taking something good 
and can twist it into bad. And that's the problem we see here with the Pharisees. That's what we're talking about today. The problem with the Pharisees was that, yes, the law required fasting, but they began to add on to that. They began to increase it. And that's not even a bad thing, by the way. So like some of you may decide to give up something just little and uh, for Lent, and that's fine. And somebody may say, you know what, I'm giving up an entire meal during the day so that I can pray. That's fine. So the Pharisees, though, they begin to add this little bit of extra, extra fasting, extra things to do. And it wasn't that that was a bad thing, except for they began to take on this attitude of, well, this is what God told me to do, so you need to do it too. And if you don't do it too, now you're not a good person. And that's kind of what we see here because the Pharisees and even John the Baptist's disciples have approached and they're like, wait a minute, we're over here fasting while your guys are over here just feasting. Like that can't be right. There is something wrong with those people. We talked about that in our devotions this week about those people. It began to cause a divide, and it became something not good when they began to demand their rules on other people. And the problem then began to create obstacles for people to just worship God. When it becomes rules, we no longer worship that becomes a problem. Now those that were fasting, they're not evil. Sometimes we we paint that picture a little bit, but they're not. You know, you got to understand, remember, let's get to the heart of it. Jesus came to fulfill the law. What did that mean? It means he came to illustrate and show them what the whole embodiment of the intent of the law was. Interesting week this week. We're in Leviticus. Miss Diane at home just went, oh. You saw her roll her eyes to the back of her head when I said that. Because you all did. (laughs) Y'all saw what Pat put on there the other night. Like, I don't even know what I can eat. I said, you can have a grasshopper. (laughs) She said, I can eat the gecko. I said, no, because then you won't have insurance. (laughs) She said, that is exactly what I thought when I was reading that, that passage. And so you're thinking, how did that, when I'm reading Leviticus, BJ, how does that show me God's love for us? Some of it is about the purification. Some of it is about so that we are cleansed when we come before God. Because remember, God is a holy God. We read that in there just recently. God said, I am holy. I need you to be holy. But then as I also read some of it, because when you go back, if you'll look at Leviticus 13 and we start reading about, oh, I don't know, quarantine, 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 wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, did y'all see that in there? It actually said, put a cloth over your mouth. That's, that's a mask, I think. But, and you're thinking, what does that got to do with my love for God? That's God's love for us. Some of this stuff we start reading through, it's just common sense that it is health care in that day and age. When you start talking about mold in your house and how to deal with it, that's God's love for us, giving us things that help take care of us. 
So do you see the law in its, in its raw form is all about love. God's love for us and us reciprocating that love back to him. That's what the law was intended for. Now, Jesus, he's constantly in the book of Mark. As we go through Mark over these next couple of weeks, he's all the time in trouble. And the main thing is, is because they're trying to to nail him down that you're breaking the law. Jesus was notorious for doing things on the Sabbath that you wasn't supposed to do. Because guess what? Guys, if we still went by the law, you can't even cook when you go home. And every woman said, amen, I'm Hey, I take that one for serious on Sundays. I tell my family, y'all own your own. (laughs) But you would have prepared on Saturday, or back then it wouldn't have been Saturday, but you would have prepared the night before so that you couldn't have to do anything. Um, And some of our ovens, if you've gotten a new oven lately, there's even stuff on our even new ovens about Sabbath, like Sabbath kind of locks or whatever that... Did you know that? (laughs) Um, It's crazy stuff. But here's the deal. Jesus was all the time getting in trouble. they, They kept saying he was breaking the law. No, it was about getting back to the heart of the law. Because when he would break the law on Sabbath, he was helping somebody. He was loving them. And he was trying to show them, you guys have forgotten my daddy's rules. You, you forgot why he created them. Think about the Ten Commandments. When we went through the Ten Commandments, we, we basically can separate that into two things, right? If you categorize those Ten Commandments, love God, love people. That's the embodiment of the law. And the law is supposed to be all about that, but we misinterpret it, we twist it, And it becomes legalism. It becomes a set of rules that we just do. Well, the Pharisees and even some of John the Baptist's disciples, they were so busy and they had good intent. Let me me just stress that. They had good intent. They were trying to do what has been passed down for generations for the church to do. To follow these laws. But they were so busy making sure that everything was followed perfectly, they missed God himself standing in front of them. Did you hear me, church? We can get so set on doing it the right way, you miss God himself standing in front of you. Even during Lent right now, I've done Lent since I was in college off and on. My uh, college roommate is the one that introduced me to it. And there's been plenty of years I just did it to do it. It's what you did. You know, the friends I hung around, that's okay. We give up something. We gave up TV or we give up food. Or, but it didn't really mean anything. I was missing the opportunity of realizing God was right there with me. So as you go through Lent, it's not just about don't eat this and don't do that or do this and add that. It's about drawing near to God. It's about understanding that in this moment, we talked about this Wednesday in our 
our little clip online of that, you know, it's about drawing near. It's about, okay, you gave something up. Well, every time you should have been eating that or every time you think about that, say a prayer. Start drawing near to God. Because, you know, Lent was intended for a period of cleansing before they had a baptism service for Easter is what it originally... And, and, and there's the other part of this, do you realize? Lent didn't start even here. You know what I'm saying? This was something along the way that the church began. So, again, a good thing, but let's be careful we don't twist it into a bad thing. So if you're here or you're at home and you say, well, I didn't do anything, does that make me a bad person? No, not at all. Not at all. So the Pharisees, you know, they were so busy, they missed who Jesus was. And then Jesus begins to talk to them about, you know, so why aren't, why aren't your guys fasting? He said, why should they? They're with the bridegroom. You don't, you don't fast. You don't give up cake when you go to the wedding. <laughs> right? In other words, he was letting them know, I'm standing right here. They don't need to fast. They need to feast. They need to feast and they need to celebrate because God came down. But they were so busy looking for someone to fit their expectations. They were looking for that political or religious leader who was going to come and break them free. Does that sound familiar right now? We're looking for that figure to, to somehow break us free from oppression. They, they were looking for the Messiah. <laughs> and he was standing right there. But he didn't come the way they thought he should come. We just went through Advent and Christmas, and how did Jesus come in a little manger in the barn? That's not how the Savior should appear. There should be more pomp and circumstance. There should be more trumpets blowing. There should be more, just more. They were missing it. And too often I said, you know, we want to villainize the Pharisees. They do get a really bad rap. I think it's, it's no different than Christians today. You turn on the news, there are plenty of stories about Christians that's given us a bad rap. But I look here and say, that's not my church. That's not my community. You know, we, this week the news has been filled about Texas and man, 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 what went wrong? Who did wrong? Who didn't do right? I, and I had a guy on TikTok. Well, he's my coffee guy. I ordered coffee from him. He had posted on TikTok and he said, he said, I don't get political, and he doesn't. He does not get political. He said, but I just got to say this. He said, what you see on the news, it ain't real. He said, oh, we're hurting. <laughs> he said, but for everything they're telling you that has fallen apart, he said, I just need you to know, I'm seeing neighbor help neighbor. I'm seeing people help people. I'm seeing love among everybody here in Texas. And he said, it ain't nothing what they're saying on TV. And he said, you know what? Yeah, we've had things fail down here. He said, but who expected this? Like you couldn't, our government couldn't plan for this because we don't do this in Texas, right, Sandy? <laughs> Especially down in stinking Houston, right? 
I've been watching Beth Moore down there, and she's just like, oh, dear Lord, I just want to take a hot shower. <laughs> you, you, you can't plan for that, so you can't blame people for what you can't plan for. And that's sort of what we see with the Pharisees. We, we get some stories of the bad ones. That doesn't mean they were all bad. When they were fasting, they truly were seeking God. They truly were seeking God. They thought that this legalism, they didn't know it had become legalism. Do you understand that? Because this is just what has been passed down generation after generation after generation. No different than you and I, by the way. So many of you sitting here, your families have been in this church from the very beginning. And what did you do? You just passed down to your kids. Kids went to church with... Next generation, and then the next, you just do it. And unfortunately, though, that can become too legalistic if we're not careful. Well, why do you go to church on Sunday? I don't know. It's just what we do, <laughs> right? I mean, have you thought about that? Why do you go to church on Sunday? I hope it's because you want to come and draw near to God. I hope it's because you're hoping when you walk through that door, God speak to me with something today. Maybe a song. Maybe that's all you got today. One of those songs touched your heart. That's okay. Maybe it's in the message. That's okay. But don't come just because it's what we do. Because then that twists a good thing into a legalistic thing. I just messed up. Ain't nobody coming next week, Bo. Just telling you. It's just going to be us now because they're going to be like, the pastor said I don't got to go now. (laughs) But see, these Pharisees and these other disciples, they're not all doing something wrong. They were honoring God. They were trying to honor God. They were trying to do what was right. And they lost sight of the original intent of why they fasted. Why did they fast? You fasted. To draw near to God. But God was standing right there. And then, because they lost sight, the focus shifted. They no longer were looking at the love and the grace that God had. And instead, it just became a matter of who's right. Ouch. Does that sound familiar today? A lot of fighting is going on because they're just fighting to determine who is right. You see, we've got this great divide in our country right now. And I think both sides start it with good intentions. One side got labeled that we're fighting for the unborn children. The other side is labeled that We are fighting for justice. And if I was to ask God who's right, he would probably say I am, because both of those things are important. But what started out with good intentions has become a war that even divides the church. And I guarantee you that's not what God intends. That is not what God intends for us. So see, it looks different, but yet it's still the same. 
things that we start out with a heart of God, loving people, but then we get mad. We talked about this in our devotion the other day. Then we get mad and we start going with that person and those people. You don't, you don't believe like me and you don't act like me, so you can't be right. Man, we just lost everything, didn't we? Because now I become the judge of what's right, what's wrong. And that's what's happened with these Pharisees. They're looking over there going, our guys are doing the right thing, and Jesus, your guys are just so messing up. They're with Jesus. They didn't need to fast to bring God near. God was with them. Do you understand? God was with them. So we're supposed to love people, not the law. You know, we often mistakenly believe that our actions are bringing us closer to God. If I vote this way, I'm a Christian. No, if I vote this way, I'm a Christian. Voting has nothing to do with your Christianity. Jesus Christ is how you're going to get to heaven. So be careful, church. Be careful. Because... Like the the Pharisees, we sometimes believe that our actions make us holy. Mm -mm. All that does is leads us to this wrong view of thinking other people are worse off than we are. They just need to be fixed. Mm -mm. When we rely on ourselves and when we start relying on these actions, if I do a certain thing, then it makes me holy we always will wind up disappointed because we can't do it in ourselves. I can never be good enough on my own. If I could, Jesus didn't need to come. Do you understand that? <laughs> and, and then when we start messing up, then shame starts to build up. See, the enemy uses that against us. So what these Pharisees and other disciples, what they were trying to do, the enemy just began to use it to bring a divide. And that happens to us even today. Holiness is rooted in love and not effort. See, sometimes we get a bad rap in the Nazarene church because we're the holiness church and therefore you do those things, right? Like you have all those rules. But it's not about rules. It's about Love. It's about love. So love and holiness, it it should lead us into action. But not the type of action that we feel like we have to do in order to earn something. Just because you gave up something for Lent does not make God love you anymore. Just because you gave up something for Lent does not make you more saved than me. (laughs) And it doesn't even make you more holy than me. But it does bring you closer to God if you do it the right way. Holiness and love should bring about an action that is motivated. I don't do it to make God love me. I know God loves me, so I do it. Do you hear the difference in those two things? 
It's very easy to think, well, if I do this and, and if I drop some money in that offering plate and if I get baptized and if I do that and I do this and I, eh, then God will love me. No, he loved you when you were a sinner. That's what the word tells me. He loved you before you did anything. See, and we call that prevenient grace. See, there's, there's these three things that happen, three graces. You got prevenient grace, which is, means before you were saved, God was already drawing you towards him. That's, that's kind of those moments when we um, look back and we see people in our lives. And we say, wow, God was working before I even knew it. That's provenient grace. Then you got sancti- or saving grace, and that's when we realize that we need Jesus. That means that God drew us to himself, that we needed the Messiah. And then we got sanctifying grace, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and that's where people are transformed into holiness people to be more like God. See, all three of those things, I see God working, but not me. Now, it doesn't mean there's some action in there. I have, to, I have to ask to be forgiven. But I did nothing to earn that. Do you understand that? And that's how God's love works. When we focus on our effort and what we're doing, then we miss out on the reality God is already working. Because then we turn it into my work, what I'm doing, instead of what is God doing? How is God working? We should learn from the Pharisees. You know, the problem was they were jealous. That's really what it is, because we're over here giving up things, and your guys are over here feasting. How do we talk about feasting during Lent? Because see, in in the middle of Lent, Lent is a time of fasting, BJ. Yeah, but it can be too legalistic if we're not careful. It needs to reflect on God's love more. But see, here's the deal, and I don't talk about this a lot. So this has been sort of a twist for me. This has helped me a little bit this year on focusing more on this. If this is your first time doing Lent, then you probably caught that I said 40 days of fasting. But then you went to your calendar and you counted up between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday and said, "Uh, that's more than 40 days. BJ don't know how to work a calendar. 2020 must have messed her up. (laughs) No, the reason is it's 40 days of fasting, but every Sunday is your feast day, which means you lay down your fast. So whatever you gave up, you can partake of it on that day. Because that's a day of rest, God says. Remember? Remember how God's law works. He loves us. He wants us to rest. Now, in the past, I don't usually give up the fast on Sunday because I'm always worried I'll backslide and be like, oh, sugar, oh, yeah, (laughs) you know. Last year, I gave up sugar and coffee, and I was like, no, I don't think I can go back if I'm going to make it through this. And just for the record, Thomas was wrong last year because he said, when you give up sugar in your coffee, you're never going back to it. Oh, baby, I went back, and I went back hard. <laughs> uh-uh. Give me that sugar. Give me that milk, baby. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, it has taught me I can be a grown-up, and if I'm in a situation, I can drink black coffee. But I don't want to. I'm just telling you. 
So every Sunday in Lent is a feast day. And I apologize in the years past of not really focusing on that because it's important to know the intent of what it's for. You see, fasting helps us to remember, right? To remember that Christ has come. But the feasting helps us to celebrate it. If we forget to feast and celebrate on Sunday, then we're forgetting that what? God is with me. See, unlike the Pharisees, they were still looking for the Messiah. The Messiah has come. And even better than that, God is still here. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit stays with you. So it's okay to feast on the Sunday to understand that we do have a reason to celebrate right here, right now. God with us. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. Feasting is a, a spiritual discipline. You know, we, we have to, and this is the important part. This is what I really learned, that sometimes we have to learn to celebrate. Have you thought about that? That we, we, we need to learn to celebrate. We have to learn to receive what God has good for us and praise him for it. Even in the dark times, by the way. So yeah, uh, this week was a horrible week. Thomas never wants to live through this as a, a Tyson man again. And even even Claudette the other day, she was like, oh, I don't like snow. I said, well, at least you ain't got to feed the chickens and the cows. Amen. There was a praise. She was like, yes, first time in 50 years. You know? Even in the dark times, we need to learn to celebrate. So it was a yucky day. Everybody was stuck at home. But I'm just telling you, was it not refreshing to just not think about COVID for one week? I pulled up this morning to the church, and when I saw Bob's truck, I was like, oh, man, I got to dig out a mask. I ain't worn my mask all week. <laughs> it was like, ugh, right? So it was a good reprieve for just a little bit. Kids will have memories. Rayleigh, did you make some good memories this week? Oh, yeah, not even a hesitation there. <laughs> And so, you know, yes, I know adults. Peter Pan grew up in some of us, and we didn't like it. But we have to learn to celebrate. And that's a spiritual discipline during the Lent season, to learn to celebrate, to learn to understand that even though you don't like what you're going through, God is still with me. Learn to celebrate. We feast because the hope that we have in Christ, it has come. Yes, we are waiting for the second coming. And that's where the fasting comes in. That's why fasting is still relevant to you and I. Because even though the, the kingdom of God has already shown up in Jesus Christ, the kingdom, it's not complete yet. It's not finished. The time has not completed. We are still looking forward to the second coming of Christ. But more importantly, you and I, so, so I've, I've been saved, 
Jesus is my Savior. I have been sanctified. But we talked a couple weeks ago that that sanctification is not complete until I die and enter eternity into glorification. Every day, God is working on you and I. So as we fast this week, lay down the preconception of, well, I've arrived. I'm a Christian. I don't know really what I'm doing this for. This is like, I don't know. Draw near to God. Use these 40 days of fasting as that time of, God, what do you want to work in me? What do you want to stir in me? Because it's easy to look at the news and say, man, we need to fix some things. Well, guess what? We can't fix anybody. But we can let God work in us. And when that begins to happen, then things get fixed. Because the church begins to stand and be the church again. Our fast, our traditions, all of that is a good thing. But don't let it become stumbling blocks for other people. Don't use it to point out, well, you're not there yet. (laughs) Guess what? They're on their journey. And it looks different than your journey and my journey. So let's not judge the journey. Let's help them along. Let's love people along. Yeah, we can probably see things that, man, you, you need to do this different, but don't you ever speak that to somebody unless you know that you know that you know God spoke it to you first to have that conversation. Because you can hurt somebody's walk more than help it. I had a pastor one time that called my mother out from the pulpit for her smoking. He saw her smoking in the parking lot before church. Now what he doesn't know, my mom and I had already been having conversations about her quitting smoking. And it was a struggle when you have smoked nearly your entire life. That's not an easy thing to consider. And she knew he saw her in the, in the car in the parking lot. And we were at a revival service. Now, he didn't call her by name, but when, when he stands in front of her talking about tobacco use, staring her in the eye. And my mama left there feeling shameful and hurt, like she had let God down. And she contemplated not going back to church because of that. That pastor lost the reason we believe those things in the Nazarene church. And it has nothing to do with our salvation and everything to do with the life God wants us to live in love. So don't let these things become stumbling blocks. We may forget why we started certain things. Let Lent be a time, a season that you remember the love that God intended with the law. And yes, Miss Diane, even in Leviticus, love was the underlying foundation of the law. And I'm thankful we don't follow the law because I sure do like bacon. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Church, Lent is meant to be a time for you to make space. 
Make space in your life that, that God, I want to spend this time with you. Now, I know we're already doing reading plan. And then I've given you a devotion. And now I'm talking about Lent. Don't let it become something legalistic. If, if you don't think you can add that on top, don't do it. I'm, this is not something that I require of you. Lent is just an opportunity, though. An opportunity for us to make space in our life that says, God, I love you more than this thing you put on my heart. And I want to draw near to you. Stand with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. God, forgive us if we are like the Pharisees that we read about today. When we look at people and we say, well, why are they doing that? When we do this, forgive us for making it an obstacle. God, work in our hearts today that we remember who you are. And you are a God of love. Yes, there are consequences sometimes to our actions. And yes, God, there are changes you want us to make. But may we never become the Holy Spirit Junior to try to make that happen in people's lives. So today, God, may we focus on us, ourselves. Let your Holy Spirit work his, his way today. And every person sitting in this room, every person in their house church. Whether it's through uh, going through the Lent season or whether it's just something you're working with them. Speak to their hearts right now. May they open everything to you. Here is all that I have, Lord. Have your way and your will. And may we be obedient to that. And may we learn the discipline of feasting. Because God is with us. The Holy Spirit right now is in each of us that believe. And we'll never make you love us more. We'll never be more holy or more saved because of any actions. But we will be more loving when we let you work through us. And may that be what people see. May everything that we do, may we focus on the two intents of loving God, loving people. And when that happens, the kingdom grows. Let each person receive that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a beautiful, blessed Sunday. Hopefully we have a little sunshine today. Um, I will see you on Wednesday online. I will be using our devotion books for the online stuff on Wednesday. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.